ังถึง Security Lab Podcast So uh, the Capitol Hill siege, we covered one aspect, which is um, what can we do for cybersecurity when physical security is uh, overwhelmed and breached. So another aspect about the Capitol siege is that uh, social media was suspected to have been used to organize and actually incite the protesters to storm the administrative building in Washington. So this leads, I suppose, to a bigger issue of uh, censorship on social media. So here's the interesting thing. Um, We saw the siege uh, happening on Capitol Hill, and part of that was attributed back to the fact that uh, President Donald Trump posted a message on Twitter, and uh, he essentially told these supporters, the general public, and say to gain America back, and that message spurred a lot of activities, which eventually led into the insurgents that happened in Capitol Hill. Now, soon after that, uh, Twitter took a very drastic uh, decision, and they started banning accounts. Uh, they started banning with Trump's account. They then limited access into President of the United States voters' account, and also a few other accounts that uh, that Trump had used. This was shortly followed by Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, Apple, TikTok, Reddit, Snapchat. Shopify, Pinterest, and a whole lot more, and ironically, including Pornhub. So it was it was rather interesting to see um, private organizations uh, taking this uh, bold step uh, of uh, banning President of the United States. And the reason why I say banning President of the United States is because they are U.S. companies and essentially dealing with U.S. regulators. It's a very interesting perspective, uh, and, and you know, it's it's interesting to see what what happens from here onwards. I um, I, th- I just think it's pretty telling uh, that these companies uh, admit to the the huge influence that uh, these social media platforms actually play upon the larger society. I believe reading an article related to Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, that says that uh, 64% of People who joined these, for a lack of better word, extremist groups, were because they were recommended by an algorithm uh, when they get into these networks. The question was, were they radicalized through these platforms to eventually be banned by these platforms? Just kind of interesting, you know. You have algorithms that tells you which group to join, and when you join, and you get influence, and then you get banned by it. When you talk about algorithms, somehow I'm I'm reminded of professor. <laughs> I think that's an area of specialty. I think what algorithm does is um, they are made to work in a certain way that compares and the preference and normal reading preference of the users, and therefore they made the kind of recommendation which is feels is the most is the closest and nearest most suitable. But in any way. We can't blame it on the algorithm because they are, after all, just um, written and coded by human. And what we should have looked at at this point in time is actually the reaction of people and the information that they are being fed, which creates a form of echo chambers in um, social media. And when information is spread within that group of people, it is 
common that it will create a certain type of reaction. So back to the original question, but if uh, Nigel has anything more to add along right, our professor's so train far? of thought, please. Make sure uh, the original question, the yeah. so what button kind of now. controls can this be put in place? This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. I guess the only thing that has happened so far is censoring, which leads to the debate of whether the censorship prohibits free speech. So does it mean that if these platforms take a drastic step, does it mean that they are going against free speech? That's the first line of thought. The second one is if the platforms do start going down the rabbit hole of censorship, what determines the factor that influences the decision to censor and when do they not? Does it mean that an insurgence has to happen in order for censorship to take place? What are the parameters? This creeps into the grounds of being a moral police where you now determine whether your actions warrants a censor or not. And while we are discussing this, we should have this fact in the back of our minds. These are commercial organizations. They are not countries. They are not bound by policies. They are bound by profits. They are bound by what they feel is good business. In fact, in my opinion, these very networks are part and parcel the reason of what has happened to Capitol Hill undeniable that all this content, all this information were made available probably in the guise of free speech which influenced people and eventually led them into the belief that this is the right thing to do. But you can't put it that way in my opinion because first and foremost social media platforms serve a purpose and that's for people to voice their opinion and to share information. But what essentially is happening here is that you have got a group of like-minded people who share and you know their sentiments and it creates a situation where uh, people of homophilous thinking group together and when it turns out to be a firestorm then you have a problem and it's only then that regulatory bodies will step in to see whether that's the right time to censor or not but other than that no we have got a lot of um, so-called firestorms happening on social medias and they have not been censored okay in any case the question is who is the scapegoat are we finding a scapegoat to appease this firestorm no I mean my take on this is a kind of in line with what was mentioned earlier regarding the algorithms if you look at this um, the whole riot and everything has been sort of been planned for almost six months so this is kind of been going on I mean like in terms of from planning point of view for quite some time so what I'm curious is is anyone not I mean isn't any of these platforms monitoring activity like this if they are then why wasn't action taken earlier uh, was there any reason why you know there was no action taken before this uh, I'm just kind of curious you know why something like this had to wait for six months till it could blow up and you know then go ahead and uh, maybe ban uh, these accounts or delete these accounts. Maybe action could have been taken sooner. So here's a conspiracy theory. 
maybe um, the the planning and everything was allowed to go go on undisrupted undis- uh, because they wanted things to pan out the way that it pan out so that um, America can see for themselves that they had made the right decision. Well, that's possible. Anything is possible. If you look at the whole riot situation, uh, it was really funny that uh, eventually law enforcement were accused of allowing these rioters into the building. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty as to what happened on the ground and, and why the the particular situation was not avoided. But if we were to look at back on social media and um, the very fact that they were banned, if you look at the recent decision, there was an app called Parler, which was supposed to be completely of free speech. Eventually what happened was uh, President Donald Trump and his whole group, as they were banned in uh, social media, they moved into this app called Parler. And Parler had been having this policy where they will allow free speech indefinitely. Eventually what happened was both Google and Apple yanked their apps from their respective app stores. And very recently, Amazon has made, uh, has made the decision to de-platform Parler completely from the infrastructure, which means that Amazon has made the decision they will no longer have this app being hosted in their platform. Not only that, Google or any other application provider is no longer allowing this app to be hosted in their respective platforms. So we're talking about a ban that's not just at the social media, but private organizations taking a bold stand in disrupting uh, this particular kind of behavior from taking foot. How effective is de-platforming? A lot of the influencers have made it public that when they are de-platformed, they lose revenue. They even lose their livelihood, which means that they no longer have that reach that they had with the platform. The platform not only gives them a space to share their ideologies, uh, their thoughts, but also that reach to everyone else around the world. Today, I can be a farmer down at a farm in Kedah and my ideas, my methodologies, my thoughts can reach to the furthest corner of the world through the internet, through the power of social media. The same thing happens to both positive and negative. So if you have a negative view, that's what it is. In fact, just about, uh, just about not too long ago, I read someone drawing a mural in Syria supporting Trump. You can actually see a picture of a guy holding the stand that was really iconic during the, the Capitol Hill siege. Uh, that picture was actually hand-drawn in a wall in Syria. So did this platform become an enabler for that voice to be permeated very far? But I guess the crux of the matter is going back to censorship, do we then now let this power, who holds this power? First thing is, first my question my head is, who holds this power? Just does Jack of Twitter say, yeah, I'm going to ban this guy and he's gone. Or does Mark from Facebook says, this guy is off my platform, gone. I think it goes down to the terms and conditions of usage. Because if you look at the account that was banned, is essentially 
the account that belongs to the person, not the role or the figure that the person represents. So if you look at it from that angle, then yes, as long as you violate any of my terms and conditions for usage, then I have the right to ban you. And, and the impact would not be as big as banning the president's account. Oh, they actually uh, they ban, suspended. They ban real Donald Trump yeah. and not POTUS. POTUS was suspended. Suspended. Suspended, which means they didn't allow any more posting because they didn't want to make any damage. But to be honest, beyond social media, the president can still come up on stage from national television as a right of the President of the United States of America to make a statement and address the country. He yes. still has the right until the 25th Amendment kicks in. Exactly. So, the point is, are we? do we want to... My question here is, am I thinking of who has the right to ban or what is the actual intention of banning this particular account at this point in time? True, because end of the day, one of the, the discussions that rose was uh, there were other people, uh, I saw one user on Twitter that said that Hey guys, uh, this country has called upon my assassination Can you guys ban this account? And it fell in a deafening silence So that's why, what does censorship lead to? Does it now say that I have the power to ban, hence I shall ban thee? Or does it say that, yeah I have this power but you know it's at my discretion, if I choose not to ban, to ban. But then that creates a grey area. There when, is always when, one. Where do you ban and where do you not? <laughs> right? Do, do you then say that it's a fair game to everyone? Or does it apply because I'm in this country, it's affects, it affects my livelihood, hence I shall do it. To me, it's a question of which one gives me more advantage. At this point in time, to ban that person who is obviously not at the other side of the favoritism, I just talk about homophily. The, the, this phenomena in social media. When you have a great group of following who is clean, more inclined towards this, then I wouldn't want to touch this. I would ban the other that makes me look more favorable to them. Okay, you know what? Um, this is just what I know about Facebook and uh, their censors. What, what are they called? No, they're called content moderators. So from what I understand and from what I remember, because it was quite some time since I read it, Facebook actually outsources content moderators from other organizations, Cognizant being one of them. But because of um, some some a huge unpleasant thing, with, uh, unpleasant episode which happened with uh, Facebook, Cognizant has actually stopped supplying content moderators to Facebook. And but when I was like uh, reading about this news as well, from what I understand is that the the policies or the rules and regulations that Facebook has in place to to allow people to steal. Um, like, practice freedom of expression and in a in an environment that is um, safe and still wholesome um, it's something which is very difficult to do it's, a, it's like a very complex and delicate balance to try and balance between the two so I don't, uh, the question the, the larger question of uh, censorship you know to what extent should it be exerted by whom it should be exerted um, I think that is uh, something which the four of us in this room can't really answer right now. We can debate about it back and forth, but we can't, we can't find answers here. So maybe we can leave it for another episode and find someone who can contribute more. Maybe give another perspective to this. You know, I'd be interested to know, probably it's a discussion for another day, is that if Capitol Hill incident had happened in Putrajaya, would it have occurred the same level of urgency 
stance, direction by all these social media organizations. I mean, let's keep it for a thought for another day and, 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 and let's get to it when the time comes. We can leave it to the algorithm. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us this week on Security Lab. Make sure to visit our website at securitylab.asia where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.